So today, um, I want to talk to you about a message that I don't think, as I was studying this message, I was bothered that I was not bothered by the message. Uh, because you see, if you're not a follower of Christ, you've not committed your life to Him, you're exploring faith. First of all, I want you to know I have zero power to ever make you move in any direction. I have no desire to manipulate your emotions because ultimately the work of God is a work that's sovereign from the inside out. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to hear. Scripture says no one can come to the Father unless he is drawn by the Holy Spirit. That is why when, if something moves on the inside of you, that's why it says, don't resist. Because my spirit will not be forever ple pleading with you to come. But as a follower of Jesus, this message should bother us. Because I want to speak to you on blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. When I read that, I'm like, really meek? Meek is not a sexy term. It, we don't sit with our kids and go like, I'm going to teach you meekness. Meekness is good. No, we're thinking, this is how you're going to get bullied. This is how you're going to get run over. There's no place in this world for meek people. Listen to Gary Vee right? L just listen to the people that go like, you've got to be there. You've got to go. You've got to climb. You owe no man nothing. Everybody's going to abandon you. Go in there and make it happen for yourself. And when I read what Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. I go like, wait, wait, Jesus, have you ever been in New York state? Have you ever paid taxes in New York state? Have you ever been have you ever driven in New York State? <laughs> Have you ever been around the politics of New York State? Come on now. Re really, Jesus, meek? Because I have a lot of other words that I would insert that says that's how you will inherit. I think the biggest challenge that I have with this message that bothered me so deeply as I was unbothered by it is that it feels like it has no gain. When he says you will inherit the earth, um, I go like, you're right. Right? Really? So if I am meek? Because for us, meekness and what we understand by it is almost a form of weakness. It's timidity. It's shyness. It's not standing up for yourself. It's not boundaries of strength. And, and this morning as I was waking up early and um, sitting in front of the message, I said, Holy Spirit, I am missing something. Because I feel uninspired to inspire people to take on the posture of meekness. Because you know we are speaking in this series on how God... Almighty, Jehovah, God, who is filled with compassion, slow to anger, rich in love, will forgive and will not leave unpunished, 
how he came and became flesh to live a life that's reflective of the nature of who God is. Because you see, I truly believe with all of my heart that we've got to understand there was a big difference between a projection and a reflection. Because right now, all you know of me is a projection. If you've been at the Father's house for a long time, by the way, um, I looked at the messages ever since iPads came into being. Um, I'm preaching message number 564. That's on my iPad, right? At which point do you go like, what else can I tell them? Like, hey, hello, ho, Bullswin, go home. You know what, what else is there? Because it's so limited at how you feel. But, but as I began to study this, first of all, I realized how pathetic my mindset is that unless what I believe helps me to win in this life, then it's almost not motivational if the promise is for eternity. Because you know that Jesus never talked about heaven and hell in a way that he says, follow me or you'll go to hell. He does talk about hell a hell of a lot, if I can say. I didn't mean it that bad, but I'm just saying he did. And sometimes we need to actually do a message series on hell and heaven. But the motivation of this, as Jesus was sitting on the mountain, he began to say to ordinary people, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. I I want you to know that... The definition of meekness, meekness is patient in the reception of injuries. Meekness is neither meanness nor surrender of our rights. It's not cowardice. But it's the opposite of sudden anger, of hatred, and long-harbored vengeance. Now, he was speaking to people that lived an oppressive And an oppressed life by an invading conqueror. In other words, imagine you are living in a life where you are too scared to walk down the street. Because there are people that will treat you less than an animal. And Jesus says, blessed are you if you are meek. Because you will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this. The reason why I'm teaching you how to live the kingdom life is because The world does not understand who God is and what he looks like reflected through his children. Because remember, a projection literally means I can cause you to believe about me that you may find out is not true if you get into proximity with me. Because for some of you, maybe new, you look at me and go like, oh, I love his sweater, and he's got sneakers. Oh, this is a cool church, and I think he's funny, and I hope this is short, and this is kind of cool. Yeah, but you've not lived with me, because the moment you live with me, you will find out that a lot of your perceptions are annihilated with my impression. Come on. How many of you understand that? That is many, that's why many people don't want to be in community because they're scared people are going to find out who they are really. And I can tell you this, there's not a single one of you who will shock the people that you get close to because they themselves are blinded to the shock of who they are. 
I'm blinded to the shock of who I am. But, but you see, Jesus says, but you are the light of the world. And then he says this in a magnificent way in the message paraphrase. He says, you who now live from a new nature, born of God, he says, you are to bring out the God colors in this world. In other words, the way you live is how people will see the invisible God. You and I are the visible expression of the invisible God. And Jesus says, I'm coming to model to you what it looks like so that you don't emulate it. You live from the reflection of that. In other words, if, if I've got to say to you, act meek, act meek, act meek, I've got to say it slower, act meek. I am leading you astray because at the end of the day, now you've got to impersonate meekness instead of saying, live from what is in you, which is meekness. But the trouble is we don't believe that meekness will cause us to win the race called life. Now, what does all of this mean? Well, you see, I think our world is very complicated as it is. Because a couple of months ago, I was speaking to you about a book that was written by Susan Cain called Quiet Power. For all the introverts, it's an incredible book to read because the world kind of want to tell you that an introvert is born with a deficit. Um, and introverts are actually some of the most um, in incredible minds, deep thinkers. Um, the best poetry is written by introverts. Um, the, the best thinking is done by introverts. Um, so introverts has got this amazing, amazing ability. But she says this, in the last century, the way that world leaders were chosen was people with character, people that are deeply rooted, people with solid families, solid foundations, people that speaks the truth even if it causes a lot of unhappiness. But over time, what has happened is that we've moved to a culture of personality and projection. And I want to say to you, social media doesn't help. Come on now. By the way, I've been married very happily, and I'm so thankful I'm married. Because if I wasn't, I can promise you, no girl making duck lips every time she takes a picture is gonna get my attention. I would go like, girl, what is going on? Why do you think that when you look like a Botox job every time, you take a picture? <laughs> I'm just, just, don't record this. It's, I'm just, I'm just wondering. It's just going through my head. I am saying, because somehow it is just crazy. Because we have got this understanding that looking a certain way, having a certain background, standing at a car of a person you don't even know will make you more in other people's eyes that will cause them to think, dang, you're winning at life. 
But she says that now we are the place, and she quotes a man named Warren Sussman. He says, the social role today demands all of us in a new culture of personality that we need to become performers. And every American now becomes a performance of self. Now, when we think about that, that is so exhausting because constantly we think, what do I need to do in order to become, in order to win, in order to get promotions, in order to be in the front end, in order to project success? Because somehow the way people perceive my winning will add to my self-worth in life. And I can tell you that that brings us to a place where meekness and assertiveness stands in paradox. Because, you know, assertiveness seems like strength. Somebody cuts you off. That's why I drive tall cars. I can't have a short car. Because I can't look out the window and go like, what are you going to do? I've got to sit high. Otherwise, they may want me to get out, and then what then? You know what I mean? Somebody says something, go like, oh, that didn't come out of your mouth. On the phone, and when you feel you're losing the argument, you go out like, you have no idea who you're talking to. You have no idea how many lawyers is on my family. You don't even have an electrician in your family. But we project it. We strengthen ourselves because we think we need to do something in a certain way. But you see, meekness is something that begs the question, are we misunderstanding what it is? Okay, I'm going to sketch you the scenario. Anaji, help me with some Egypt music again. We're going to go back to Moses. And Moses has been a character that we've been uh, focusing on because there's so much to learn of Moses. And um, the reason why we go to Moses is because most of you have seen Prince of Egypt. Please say yes, please say yes, right? So Pharaoh was the most powerful ruler at a certain time in the world. One of the things that made Pharaoh so powerful is that he totally convinced the people that he was the incarnation of one of the gods. So he's not a man, he's God. But the word is that he has got a God delusion. He ruled with a scepter. His scepter was so powerful that if you seek an audience with him, if he points the scepter to you the right way, you have the right to speak to him. But if he doesn't point it to you, you are executed on the spot and nobody ever come against him because he is God he, he created a, a labor machine of slaves he, he built the most incredible Ephesus of his wildest dreams for 400 years he had people that were slaves that they every breath is as a result of his mercy. Then God heard the cry of his people. And he says, I am going to free my people. Now, if you were to sit with God to come up with a strategy, who would you pick as a 
person to confront the most powerful man on the planet? Well, because I am a great theologian, I googled the most infamous warriors in history. I stink and love Google so much. Can't imagine we never had it. Ever heard of Hector of Troy? The Battle of Troy. Hector of Troy. Unbelievable. How about Leonidas of Sparta? Oh, I would love to be that. What do you mean you want to leave church because you don't like my preaching? This is Sparta. You know what I mean? That would be so amazing. So impressive. Their very physique will scare the living night out of you. King Richard the Lionheart. Infamous. Napoleon Bonaparte was 5-4. I could have hugged him under my arm. He conquered. How about Genghis Khan? Fierce. Oh, I know you learned with this one. William Wallace. <laughs> Literally, he's dying and he shouts, Freedom! And we go like, oh, I love this. Because he had more scars than I have freckles. He is just infamous. But here comes God. And he decides on a man named Moses. You go like, oh, that's so awesome. I've seen the movie. Listen, Numbers 12, verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all men that were on the face of the earth. Wait a minute. Why would God look for the most meekest of all. Can I just sketch this to you? Pharaoh has a scepter. Moses has got a shepherd's crook. And God looks at the two and he says, I can do more with a meek man than what I can with an arrogant man. I can accomplish more through the strength of a crook than the scepter of a man with a God delusion. And I would go to Moses, I said, Moses, can I just tell you what you're about to face? God, before you choose him, I've read it. I've read the whole thing. God, you, just look at Moses just for a second. Look at him, he's the back end of a desert. He's watching sheep, just let's be clear, sheep. He's watching sheep. Nobody respects him. They don't even know about him. Um, but you're going to ask him to confront the strongest man on the planet, then lead a whole bunch of people into a desert where there's no food, there's no water. Then one day they're going to get to the ocean, like Myrtle Beach. Ocean, for real, ocean. And they're going to turn around and realize here comes the brutality of Egypt and they're all going to be killed. Do you think meekness is going to win the day? Um, let me tell you, there's 10 cities to be conquered. Um, uh, uh, I think 
Hector of Troy would do a better job than a shepherd with a crook. Uh, and not only that, they're going to arrive at water and people are going to go like, yay, finally, we can drink all the water in the world. They're going to find out it's bitter. So what, what do they do with a shepherd? At least if it's Leonardo's, he's going to go like, what are you going to do with, look at me? You know what? How, not only that, these people are still going to build a golden calf and worship and curse you that you took them out of Egypt. Oh, this is not the end. Every single day for 45 years, they're going to murmur, all of them. You know what murmuring is? It's passive aggressiveness. Because murmuring lit literally means um, a silent resistance complaining and undermining. Where you do nothing, but you speak a lot. You go like, I'll do what you say until you turn your back. Then they'll do what they do. And, and I go like, God, but what is it in meekness? Because meekness is the reception of injuries. But you have a belief that God will vindicate you. Let me explain to you what I'm trying to say. There is another New Testament commentary um, that says this meekness is the moral quality of a human that is filled with humility and gentleness, usually exhibiting, exhibit during suffering and difficulty because they have an un, unbeatable reliance on the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? Well, two people know what that means and they clap, they go like, yeah, know what that means. Let me tell you why I think God chose Moses. Remember the story when he was put into the Nile because Pharaoh was killing all the babies? And then he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, sovereign. She took a Jewish baby to raise as her own sovereign. His own sister Miriam came and said, oh, I know somebody that can help you with colicky babies, his own mother. Do you understand that as he was raised, apart from them, that they told him the story of the sovereignty of God? Reminded him he is not here because he is a good-looking baby. Reminding that he's in the palace because of God's saving grace. Reminding him it was not luck that you were not killed. God had a story in your life from beginning to end. Moses had a picture of the sovereignty of God accompanied by the weakness of his humanity. Oh, this is big. He stuttered. Because you see, for some of us, we look at ourselves in the mirror, we go like, I'll never win because it's a stutter, and I'm not good at math. I'm like Kevin at free office, and like I only like cookies, and I'm, and I'm not popular, and all of this. And I'm telling you here that it's got nothing to do. Actually, the more you are aware of your weakness, the more you tend to trust that if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen because God's going to make it happen. The biggest problem problem is when you are so fully persuaded that it, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And I want you to know that is the state where meekness is hard to attain. Because if we think that we are the result of all of our own success, and then we 
marry our successes, our personal worth. My question is, who are you when everything you worked for is burned with fire? Who are you? So you say, Pastor P, where are you going with this? You know, there is a saying in the South, in Kentucky where they run a lot of horses, they say the meekest horse wins the race. So I go like, oh, people are going to love that statement. What the heck does it even mean? So this is what they say. Horses that relies on their stubbornness and wildness ignores the prompting of the one who knows the race. They run for themselves. But horses that are meek runs to the rhythm and the syncopation of the one who knows when to pick up speed and when to know to slow down speed. And as I'm reading this, I'm asking God, am I a horse that runs for me or am I a horse that runs for you? Let me ask you, who are you running for? I've got to be honest with you and say the reason why this message messes me up so much is I want to say I'm running for God, but I'm running for God running it my way. If it's too slow, oh, I'm going to pick it up. If it's not going my way, I take it personal. I can't sleep at night. I feel like a loser and failure. And, and don't look at me that way. When I talk about me, I'm actually kind. When I say me, I'm talking about us, really. Because you see what is so interesting about this. Isaiah 60 verse 21 says this. All your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands in order to bring myself glory. You see, meekness is when you are willing to be patient and say, God, whatever my life is and will be will come with peace and brings glory to you because i don't know about you the older you get all you seek is peace come on everybody over 50 let's hear be honest when you're younger you go like i don't care about peace i just want that red mustang man i don't care yep get it pay the bank live it up the older you get, you go like, I don't care if you give me a go-kart. As long as I can sleep at night and be at peace. Because you cannot. And God says, blessed are the meek. In other words, blessed are those who stands with incredible strength that has yielded to my sovereignty. That will stand when I say stand and move when I say move. That any success that comes from their life points to my glory, not to their gifting, their hard work. If it goes slow, they are standing. Because remember Moses, as scripture says, if you are meek, you will inherit the land. There came a day when Moses, people said to him, we are thirsty. And God says to him, take him over to the rock and talk to the rock. Now, for 45 years, people have been bickering. People have been on your nerves. Have you ever been on vacation with friends? And the vacation 
is like nine days too long. But it was a 10-day vacation. You go like, oh, we're going to laugh so much. It's going to be so much fun. After the first night, you go like, if she laughs one more time, I swear is anything. How are we going to survive this? How many of you are working a job and all you think is I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm blessed, I'm anointed, I'm favored. And all you want is to have the corner office. Because you think when I get the corner office, then people are going to know I'm winning and I'm worth it. What if your inheritance is not the corner office, but your inheritance is the sovereignty of God that will give you peace and will establish you, establish your children, establish your world? When, what if it's not about what others think, but who you reflect? What if it's not about showing with assertiveness that you're in charge of your life, but the moment you reflect Christ, that is the reward to the world, and that's the reward that comes from following Christ. Because you see, there is something that happened with Moses. Moses, the Bible says, Numbers chapter 20, verse 10, and I'm almost done. Come on, fist bump your neighbor and say, it's going to get a little harder before it gets better. Just a little harder. Have you ever been here where you just had enough? You know, when you go on a road trip and your kids say to you, are we there yet? Are we there? And you go like, it's still 700 miles. I swear as anything, if you say it one more time, I will lock you in the trunk. I will feed you through an extended straw. And I'm not meaning that, so don't write me. I'm not a child, my kids are. But you know what I mean, the internal conversation. I cannot stand it anymore. And Moses, the Bible says, listen to what he says. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. Moses said to them, see if you can see where it went wrong. Listen now, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of a rock? Wait a minute, Moses. This is not a new thing. God has done it plenty. He's bringing manna. He's done everything. But you know what you are doing right now? You are not living out of that place of surrendered strength. Now you're irritated and you want to swing your sass all over the people. You are right now. You're done. You want to say, all you bickerers, I am so done with you. You want water out of this rock. And the Bible says he took his staff and he smacked the rock twice and God said to Moses you will not inherit the land how many of you have ever said that's unfair that's just messed up it's not it's messed up you know why because everything in scripture is connected because the Bible says the meek shall inherit the land and in that moment he's not acting in meekness now he's acting in meanness and you know what God said to him you will not inherit the land because he says in Deuteronomy 32, 51, you broke trust and faith with me when you took things into your own hands. Oh, that hurts so bad. How often have we taken things in our own hand? Come on. I'm as guilty as they come. Have you ever thought, God, you need my help? Come on, speed up. Come on, come on. I've waited for the right person. Clearly, I'll just go find him or her. Taking it in your own hands. 
God says, when you take it in your own hands, when it happens, you'll bring glory to yourself. He says, but when you follow me with a meek, gentle patience, I will make it happen and establish it. And the glory will come to me and I will give you an inheritance. You know what inheritance is? It's something that you don't deserve. You didn't work for it. It was given to you by the goodness of the one who possesses it. And every time you take things in your own hands, you're just becoming another prodigal son because you say, I am not going to wait. I want it now. And the Bible says when that happens, when you are pushed into anger. Now listen, listen to this writer. He says this, meekness comes from a heart too great to be moved by insults. It looks upon those who insult them with pity. He that is constantly ruffled, that suffers every little insult or injury to throw him off his guard and to raise a storm of passion within him will always be at the mercy of every mortal that will disturb him. He is like the troubled sea that cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. I have one minute and 12 seconds. If you love me, you'll give me five more. Is that okay? It's a rhetorical question, people. Just say, yeah. <laughs> say, we love you. Then I'm going to sleep so great tonight. <laughs> Moses is not the only one that had a tough mission, and meekness was the qualifier. Again, I want to say meekness is strength that is God-dependent. Here comes Jesus. He was made flesh. The conquest before him was unthinkable. Bible says, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest to destroy the work of the evil. Wherever he went, supernatural darkness was around him. He confronted sickness, disease. He confronted the toxicity of religious spirits that wanted to vote people off the island and vote people on the island. A toxic system, political system. It is a mess and you say, God Surely Jesus was the Lion of Judah. He was the captain of hosts. Surely he's almost like the immortals. Remember the movie, The Immortals, when the, the, the things came out of the ground, the, the gods came down, and when the gods came down and they land, the earth shake. Surely Jesus was that. Well, if Jesus was that, he cannot tell us to become like him. Because the Bible says Jesus said these words. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your soul. Jesus, everybody loves you. Come on. You, 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 are, you are all over Twitter right now. 
you, your picture is on every Instagram repost. Come on, Jesus, one more night preaching. And he says this, no, I'm here to do what my father wants, not what you want. I'm here to live a life of God's plan for my life, not my plan for my life, because my plan for my life is influenced by the insecurity of other people that tells me what it looks like to win in life. But the true life that wins is the life that surrendered to meekness. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What am I saying, church? I am saying to you that the gospel is the loudest when we put on who Christ is on the inside of us. Listen, the gospel is not helpful when you walk around with a big old poster in that astonishing pink color that says, turn or burn, hell awaits. Uh, I am not saying those people are wrong, but can I tell you what is more powerful than threatening people's lives is to live in the opposite spirit. When people expect you to explode, you stand with kindness and the sovereignty of God. Because if people want to move you, and they can, then you should never have been there anyway. Because no man can move you where God has established you. No man can stop you where God has purposed you. Nothing can touch you. And that's why there is a trust in meekness. That's why he says, blessed are the meek that has a revelation of my sovereignty. For they will find peace for their souls. Let me give you one last scripture. He says, but let it be hidden in your heart. That which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great prize. Joy, you guys can come up. You know what makes this hot is I don't know how to end this. Because I'm a terrible example of meekness. Oh, don't look at me this wet. Look at your neighbor and say, you look worse. You absolutely look worse. I'm a terrible example. How many times I get on my knees, I say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And then I just hear, trust me. And I go like, amen. I'm going to help you. <laughs> come on now. I'm going to tell you one last story. I was just married. We had very little money. Went to a coastal city and everybody is on rollerblades. Everybody is just... My wife and I are walking. I go like, this is so lame. Thank God there was not Instagram those days. I go like, this is lame. Everybody is just floating with their tanned bodies. I go like, babe, we've got to get rollerblades. She says, I've never been on it. I go like, I don't care. How hard can it be? She says, we don't have money. I go like, well, we're going to go buy them. And if they decline my card 
at the cash register. We know it's not the will of God to buy these. Come on, how many of you? Come on now. So we put our sizes on. I can already imagine us floating in the wind like the rest of them. Come to the register, gave her my card. She says, sorry, sir, your card was declined. So what do you think I did? I took out the credit card, people. If the debit doesn't go through, I'll use the credit. Come on, how many of you are taking out the credit card on relationships? How many of you are taking out the credit card on promoting yourself? How many of you are taking out the credit card with your neighbor? Because they are mowing your side of the lawn. How many of you are taking out the credit card? Are willing to break relationships with people that vote different than you? You're willing to leave your church family because they don't promote any political person like they are the next Elijah. So how do I end this? I think with honesty. Honestly, to say, God, I need a revelation of your sovereignty. And maybe in this life, which is only about, well, they keep us alive a long time right now, 90. Everything that I think is important is going to go back in the box. Ever played Monopoly with your kids? It's so fun be narcissistic with Monopoly. Oh, I freaking love it. Always the bank. Because the bank always wins. If you're working for the bank industry, you know I'm talking the truth. Another principle, those who have get more and those who don't have lose everything. You know the point of Monopoly where every time you throw the dice, you land on other people's stuff. And you, you are going out of business. So I thought, let me teach my kids the first lesson in life. Every time they win, I would shake the board and go like, earthquake, 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 earthquake. I go like, that's life. And then they go like, Dad, you've got a promise. You're not going to earthquake this game when you lose. I go like, oh, shoot. So I made a new rule. Whoever wins has got to pack up the game. before God one day I wonder how much he's going to say to me why did you hit the rock so many times because I had so much more but you in the way of my glory how much can I be prepared to say goodbye to because it's in the way of my meekness How much today will I be tested to show love where there's arrogance? 
to put myself number five because four other jerks pushed in front of me. But reflecting the visible image of God is more important than the three minutes I'm losing right now. So let me encourage you to put both your hands on your lap and close your fist really tight. Come on. You don't have to do this. Say, God, these are my hands that you've given me. The strength in these hands are a gift from you. You meant for my hands not to clench with fear. Come on, just open your hands, but to be open and trust. My hands are for service to others, not for self-promotion. Because when I serve others, it's worship to you. When I give, it's worship to you. Because without trusting, I cannot give. So today, you're not seeking agreement. You're seeking action. So as there's an opportunity to serve others, an opportunity to give, give me the trust to clothe myself with meekness and trust in your goodness. And I sing because I am happy. Come on, Joy. And I sing because I am free. So, fathers, your people are about to go home. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to choose to give. For you said on the first day of every week, bring your first to God that belongs to him. For it's in giving that I'm teaching you to trust me. God, this is so hard. But I pray in Jesus' name, help us clothe ourselves with meekness and trust that you're a good shepherd, a good provider. For your word says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. In Jesus' name, amen.